The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell, and I am here to talk about the brand new full-length documentary about one of my heroes, Rosa Parks. It is executive produced by the Soledad O'Brien award-winning journalist, all the awards and accolades, and she um, has been a part of the rebellious life of Mrs. Rosa Parks, which is streaming on Peacock. And I am so thrilled to talk about this today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. We're very excited about this documentary. Can you believe it's the first full-length doc on Rosa Parks? When I heard that, I, I was like, I, I can't, that can't be right. <laughs> well, in, in some ways, I can believe it, yeah. but also it shouldn't be that way. Right. And so I'm glad now that um, with this full-length documentary, we're correcting a lot of the uh, narratives, I would say, that yeah. have been put out there about Rosa Parks as a person, as a as a civil rights leader. And I sort of shorthand what I learned in school <laughs> um, about the civil rights movement. I went to a public school in New Jersey, and I always joke that, like, this is what I was taught. Martin Luther King was good. Malcolm X was bad. And Rosa Parks was tired. Yes, and that's sort of like that's the summation of 11th grade United States history class. And I feel like um, this documentary documentary goes so far in just disrupting that misinterpretation (laughs) and and, um, misunderstanding of who she was and what she did, Um, because it wasn't just what she did on the bus. And also she wasn't tired. (laughs) So where did that narrative start? Yeah, it's such. And a, it, how it, did this, the it, documentary help correct? Yeah, it's such a great question, right? Because the the question then becomes, and why? Why do people yeah. love that narrative, right? I mean, the truth is super interesting. So why is the idea of the accidental civil rights legend kind of a comforting one for people? The New York Times, when she she died, called her the accidental matriarch. And when you know the story of Rosa Parks, you're like, yeah, there was actually nothing accidental about right. Rosa Parks at all. From the time she was like eight years old, there was nothing accidental. So the, the way our, our process in the doc started, um, there's a woman who wrote a really wonderful biography of the same name, The Rebellious Life of Mrs. Rosa Parks, and she's a professor. Her name is um, Jean Theo Harris. Mm -hmm. And she was on Twitter, I guess annually, she would write this whole chain of like, here's all the things you don't know about Rosa Parks, you know, partially out of frustration that people got it wrong a lot. One of our directors, Joanna Hamilton, uh, and the other director, Yoruba Richin, I just thought like, this thread is amazing. There's so much we don't know. And again, I, I I would put us all in the category of like, I know Rosa Parks. I studied Rosa Parks in seventh grade you know we, we all we all know that story right sat on the bus wouldn't get up uh, she was tired and so that really was the narrative and I think digging into kind of the the activism and the life of Rosa Parks 
One, just to be accurate, is important, but also to really try to understand why we're comforted by this other fake story is also pretty interesting. Rosa Parks, you know, what I didn't realize, that, that she had really been a hardcore activist. Uh, her job was to go around and, and take down stories of violence against black people. I mean, imagine that is your work, right, to mm-hmm. go around the South and capture stories of violence um upon black people and and black women specifically, the rape of black women that often would just go completely ignored in the courts. It wasn't considered even something that you could possibly even win in court. And so, you know, I I think that in and of itself kind of paints a different picture of the grandmotherly like Rosa Parks. She was hardcore from the get-go. And yes, she liked Dr. King and she liked Malcolm X. And I know that makes Mm -hmm. some people's heads explode because you're right. (laughs) You know, I went to public school in Long Island, so I had that same version of your education, right? Dr. King, you may write your essay on him. Malcolm X, you may not. (laughs) Especially like I I went to school with no black people. So it's like Malcolm X, (laughs) everybody turn the page and we're moving on. Nobody get any ideas. Uh, but also, um, you know, she she was a supporter of the Black Panthers. And I think when you start hearing that, you're like, wow, this is a woman who was much more nuanced and interesting than the prevailing narrative. Um, I my my lessons in Rosa Parks was one day, you know, she sat on the bus, <laughs> didn't get up. And mm-hmm. then there was a bus boycott and then it ended and everybody, you know, went everything went back to normal. And that, of course, is not the story at all. That Rosa Parks was never worked again in Montgomery. She couldn't get a job. Her husband couldn't get a job. And, and she moved to Detroit because she was unemployable. You know, so right. this idea of a woman really risking everything in order to one help black people who'd been victims of violence that would never, ever, ever see justice, ever. Right. And number two, she herself, you know, reporters got it wrong so many times. Yep. You could see all the times reporters would, would tell her story. And when she'd say, I was tired, they took that to mean like, end of a long day, my feet hurt. But right. she said, you know, I was no more tired than any other work day. I was tired of being treated wrong. And it was Emmett Till who was her inspiration for how she behaved on that day. And then you're like, oh, you mean tired in a different way. Yeah. Right. Like, not your feet are hurting tired. I am sick and tired. Exactly. (laughs) More more so, I am tired of white supremacy tired, not... Not um, I need to, you know, rest my feet and soak them in some Epsom salt. That is not what's happening. One of the quotes that I um, I cite often because the, the moment I read it um, and it was attributed to her and it's in the film when she was a child, um, she's talking to her grandmother. And the quote is, I would rather be lynched than be mistreated and not be able to say I don't like it. <laughs> and that <laughs> Um, what the moment I heard it, it, it was like, hit me right in the gut. Right. right. And it felt like, okay, this is a different person than we are taught, right. To, to your point about the misunderstanding and the narrative that is created about almost a benign resistance, like she, or passive resistance rather, as opposed to somebody who was thinking about the mistreatment of black people simply because they were black and white supremacy and the impact of that on black people from childhood. Um, can you talk a bit about some of uh, her views and how her childhood shaped her views about white people? Because there, there are a lot of really um, strong quotes like that one in the, in the film. And I, and I love how um, you utilized uh, the, 
I, I don't the name of the actress is Lisa Gay in Hamilton. This Isn't she great? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes, she's wonderful so good. to voice the quotes, the actual quotes of Rosa Parks. Yeah, she's fantastic, and she and I I, I love it because there are not a lot of recordings of Rosa Parks' actual voice. So being able to use all of the recordings and then have an actor walk us through so we can really, you know, go through her writings, of which there were many, but hear them in her, in a, you know, quote unquote, her voice or similar to her voice was, I thought, really important. Yeah, you know, Rosa Parks hated white people. I mean, she was very clear about it. She literally, I mean, at one point when she met her husband, she said she didn't like him at first because he was light-skinned. Like, that's how much she hated <laughs> yeah. white people. And and part of that was shaped, of course, by a childhood where her family was fearful of the, the KKK. Like, they literally, her grandfather, you know, slept with his gun so that he could protect the family. Uh, violence was, was wrought upon black people all the time and with no consequences, right? It was right. just expected. And if it happened, well, you know, as, as she said, you know, she'd rather be lynched than have to sit around and just take it. And, yes. and she had a, a lifetime and, and her family and her friends and the community and black people across America had a lifetime of just take it because this is the way it is. Just take it. And, and she just did not want to take it at all. So again, I, I think I'm so curious from reporters back in the day, how they, because she wrote a lot, how how they took this message of I'm tired and really turned it into, you know, you know, girl, my feet hurt, <laughs> which is you know, like <laughs> not even close to what she was trying to say and, and, and how they didn't really understand what it meant to be inspired by the story of Emmett Till, right? It, which is she was inspired by the courage of a family to stand up and do something and 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 in that way she also wanted to be inspiring i also felt it was so interesting so we tell the story of course of uh, claudette colvin who mm-hmm. i we we had her on my show matter of fact not too long ago like she's a she's like, alive and oh, very much alive yeah. and like she was wearing like slacks and a blouse yep. when i you know she's she's not 99 and um i didn't realize that claudette was a mentee of Rosa Parks, Claudette Colvin, of course, the 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 first person who sat, if you will, on the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was fifteen, darker skinned. People didn't think she'd be the right quote unquote air quotes right kind mm-hmm. of test case, if you will, for a, a a legal battle. And but I had no idea that she and Rosa Parks knew each other, and that Rosa Parks was in fact her mentor. That is so powerful. It's it. it- and Claudette Colvin, again, it, it's it's amazing that I think through just the education and social media and the ability of the new generations to relearn some of this history, I feel like Claudette Colvin now um, is spoken about in in you know the same breath as Rosa Parks um, more often than she used to be. A lot of folks were like, there was somebody before Rosa Parks? Right, because exactly. again, we were mislearning a lot of this history. And she was recently cleared. Her name was finally yep. cleared after all these years. But right, some people were like, her name was cleared? Cleared of what? Who's Claudette Colvin? <laughs> because we don't know the story. And of course, it's partly because the, the story of Black women in the civil rights mm. movement was really never fully appreciated, I don't think, and fully explored. And and they never were really fully centered uh, in the story. And so, you know, they become this fringe little, you know, side stories to something important when actually in a lot of ways they were the the, the story. That's such an important um, segue to my next question, which is um, one of the things that I learned in Danielle McGuire's book, At the Dark End of the Street, um, two things, actually. One is the investigations Rosa Parks was do- was doing in the South, as you said, 
um, after gang rapes of black women throughout the South, but also the organizing that black women did to actually do the Montgomery bus boycott, right? It wasn't like they just were like, we're going to boycott and everybody knew what to do. Black women were printing the, the literal directions to hand to children um, to pass out flyers to the community so that everybody knew what to do on the morning of the first day of the boycott. Can you talk a bit about um, the role Black women played on the community level yeah. in, that's um, that delved into in this film? Because it's yeah. such an important part of the story. So important and so ignored. I mean, part of Rosa Parks' job was to go and take testimony. So she got on a bus to go visit Reese Taylor, a black woman mm-hmm. who was walking home from church when she was gang raped by white men. And they told her if she told anybody, they were going to kill her. And she promptly reported it to the sheriff. But, you know, you know, at that time, there would be no justice for Reese Taylor. So Rosa Parks gets on a bus to go and take her testimony to go and hear her story. And every time I hear that story, I think, like, can you imagine sitting there telling your story, knowing full well that there's not a chance that you are going to see justice? These men will not be brought to justice at all. Not going to happen. And also for Rosa Parks, right, sitting there taking down her every word, right, taking the testimony because the truth of what happened mattered, even though she too knows there's not a chance there's going to be justice for this woman who was walking home from church and and gang raped. And, you know, now, of course, there is a documentary about Reese Taylor. And so you think, Mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of understanding her story is the centerpiece of that story. So it does matter. It is important. And she, too, was part of what really pushed along the civil rights movement. But but I think, again, I mean, we never learned the story of Reese Taylor or any of the women who were kind of sidebar to these stories and yet so, so important. So, yeah, I think that I think some of it is misogyny. I think. Some of it is who has the power to tell the stories, you know, people mm-hmm. who get to, to, to tell the narrative, center themselves. And Rosa Parks never benefited financially in the ways that a lot of people who did, you know, who, who after the Montgomery bus boycott went forward and were able to raise a lot of money and make a lot of money speaking and become national figures. And she's toiling away to some degree in obscurity, traveling and speaking, but not making money off of it and, and unable to find any work in Montgomery, along with her husband. I mean, they were in dire financial straits. They they had to move to Detroit to stay with family and, and got out of Montgomery. So, yeah, it's it is appalling. Um, you know, her family would say people had to know what kind of dire straits she was in. And yet she was not the kind of person who would ever say you know, I'm going to ask for help or I'm going to tell people, hey, you know, I need to make money off of this. But she was so central to it. We start the doc with this um, with this TV show to tell the truth, which is anybody at the, <laughs> the age of yeah. like 50 is not going to know that show at all. But, you know, celebrities, as you know, go they bring up three women or three people who each claim to be a famous figure in history. I'm Rosa Parks. You know, no, I'm Rosa Parks. No, I'm Rosa Parks. And then celebrities have to, you know, ask questions and guess who's the real Rosa Parks or whoever they have on that day. And just the idea that no one knows Rosa Parks, right? They, they literally all whiff. They have no idea, even though she's so central to this important moment in American history. It's Nipsey Russell, of course, who who he could have won, I guess, because he, he, he knows Rosa Parks, but he says he has to recuse himself. He, he knows he knows Mrs. Parks and he can't he can't weigh in because he, he knows exactly who she is. But it really, I think, underscores this sense of, you know, so well known and yet not known at all. Mm-hmm. This feels like a thing that happens to women yeah, <laughs> throughout yeah. history. And I, I'm like, why? 
why we know why um one of the things you mentioned is the move to detroit and that's something that um i went to a two-day conference i think at brooklyn college about rosa parks and there was a full session about her work in detroit her organizing work in detroit um obviously detroit at the time was huge because that's where they made all the cars (laughs) um at the time talk a bit about how her move to Detroit and in even her work continuing with the NAACP, you know, I think this is the part of the story that gets extremely interesting and totally disrupts the narrative. Like we were saying that she was, you know, doing a small act. I mean, they always call it like she did this simple act, this small thing, mm-hmm. but her work continued and in a lot of ways became even more radical oh, once she moved to Detroit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she was leading protests, right? The protest in, in, in Dearborn where she decided, you know, she they knew that they could leverage the help of Rosa Parks to talk about racial injustice. And, and, and there's a great part in the doc where, you know, young people talk about reaching out to Rosa Parks, knowing that there's no way Rose, the Rosa Parks is going to help win their protest. And she's like, sure, I'll do it. Because that's who she was. She yep. was a person who fully understood the power and the importance of a protest. There's a great moment in the doc where a reporter is asking her about racism in the South, and she says, I'm going to mess it up a little bit, but she's sort of like, yes, and in the North. <laughs> like, exactly. like, and, and it's done in the nicest of ways, but it's like jabbing someone with a, you know, right. like a stick. Because, you know, she's not going to let this narrative of like, you know, yes, it's in the South where all that terrible racist stuff is happening. You know, here up North, we, we are, we're not like that at all and in fact you know that fight in her to, you know she just pops it right in you know and and yes and in the north too is kind of what she <laughs> says and I I love that because that was who she was constantly in a new location saying this was important we're gonna fight against this and and people could rely on her it's funny because there's a photo of her leading this protest in, in Dearborn, you know, and, and people describe her as having a very stern, she was angry. And you look at her picture and she's, you know, she has the two braids that she always kind of wore <laughs> up on top of her head and her angry face does not look that angry. She doesn't look mad. She's not <laughs> screaming. She's not yelling. She's described as furious, but she looks like Rosa Parks. And I, I think that was um, a, a big part of, in some ways, people wanting to fill the narrative with what they felt comfortable with, right? This is how she looks to me. This is how she comes apart. This is how she appears, um, as opposed to really trying to understand the people with whom she aligned herself and who she was working with to fight for justice. I love that. I was joking on the show recently about how, um, you know, sometimes when I'm not smiling, I can look a little angry, but most of the time that's because I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> thinking about food <laughs> always. Um, and so I'm like, please don't overinterpret what right. my face is doing. I'm definitely hungry. Um, my last question in the last few minutes is, you know, about the moment we're currently in, because I think that this documentary is timed, you know, in a point in American history where democracy um, is very much, you know, under assault, post-insurrection, white supremacy on the rise, white ex- white supremacist extremist groups are very active. And it feels like we can learn, younger generations can learn a lot from Rosa Parks about the need for consistency and persistent action, um, not just in activism, but also um, you know, some of her more radical work, even being a part of um, this, the NAACP case, 
um, to push the ball forward. Cause it feels like we're taking, you know, we go forward and then we take a couple steps back. And I feel like her legacy is an important lesson for all of us right now. Yeah. There's, there's no question. I mean, the day that they were eulogizing Rosa Parks, where they were talking about her work to bring voting rights and rights to black people in America and how important that was and how, how historic that was and iconic that was that that same day the, the Supreme Court was undermining voting rights for America. literally the left hand is doing this and the right hand over there by the very split same screen. people right uh, you eulogizing it exactly could have done a split screen and really explained to people but what I, I like about the Rosa Parks narrative is understanding that activism or anything is not an accidental one day listen all you need to do is this one day thing to understand that activism and fighting for something important like civil rights is a decades-long struggle that will be quickly overturned if you take your eye off the ball. Mm. You know, that, that, that it's not a story of just one day somebody does this one thing and it all wraps up pretty fast. You know, it's, it's actually you fight and you fight and you fight and you document and you fight and you document more knowing that it might not actually happen in your lifetime. It might not happen till somebody else's lifetime. And then it keeps going decades and decades and decades of that fight at every turn, people pushing back on those rights. We're in a phase now, I believe, where we're getting a lot of pushback on those rights mm. very clearly, very definitively. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't know that I think there is a sense in America of like, yeah, well, that was won already. You know, those rights were yeah. won. There's a great story today, and I've just seen, you know, some of the headlines about reclassifying the definition of, you know, who's black. So I'm like, well, I'm Afro-Latina. I better read that story a little more closely. <laughs> oh, that sounds like that might impact me. But, but of course, right, it's all around voting, right? Voting rights right. and access to th that is everything. It's literally what people were fighting for. And the idea that sometimes people are surprised by that, it's like the story of Rosa Parks is literally wake up and run and run and run and work at it and work at it and work at it and take two steps forward and one step back when you're not allowed to vote and then two steps forward and one step back. Yep. It's not the, you know, the, the bullshit accidentally stumbled into being the matriarch of civil rights. It just, that is just absolutely not true and ignorant, frankly. It's just ignorant of who she was and it's ignorant of an important part of American history. And that, that part kind of pisses me off. Me too. I get mad. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I, I had the privilege of being among many of the civil rights leaders when I did a trip to Selma in 2015 for the 50th anniversary of Bloody Sunday. And I sat across from Diane Nash. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, you know what I mean? It, it, the, the folks, the fact that, I mean, I need a full length documentary on Diane Nash. I don't know what you have next. On right, the docket, let me but, get on that. <laughs> um, but like, can you do her next? Um, because I think there's so many women um, who whose names we, we may know a little bit um, because we know a part of their story, but like Rosa Parks, we don't know the full story. And this documentary is going to do so much to help correct this narrative because Rosa Parks was a freedom fighter, as Jesse Jackson says, um, Reverend Jesse Jackson says in the end of the documentary. Uh, it's titled The Rebellious Life of Mrs. Rosa Parks, and it is on Peacock streaming right now. So with that, O'Brien, it was so great to have it's you on. It's so I'm nice so, to catch up with privilege you, to talk to you. Thank you for, for the interview. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much for making this film, and thank you for being here today. You bet. Thanks. Stay safe. Oh, you too. Gosh.
listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.